Welcome to Season 2, Episode 5 of Talking to Humans with Vicki Demert and Mark Andrus. Uh, this season, we're talking about emotions and engaging our emotions. Uh, our guest today is Josh Yasuda. He's going to be sharing about um, the, the emotion of grief and sadness. Um, so hi, Josh. Welcome. Uh, can, you, can you share a little bit about yourself, your family, your role here at Gateway? Yeah, so um, my name's Josh, and I am married to Rachel, and we have two daughters. Uh, Autumn is three, and Elliot is one, and uh, I guess I went to U of A, and so <clears throat> I know a lot about sadness because <laughs> they are not good at sports, and so that's a big thing for me. Um, but uh, I've been up in the Valley for the last 15 years, and uh, I was a high school math teacher um, for the last 14 years, and been involved in various ministry roles, and now I'm excited to be the kids pastor here at Gateway, um, and I'm looking forward to just being a part of the church here. So Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us today. Like Vicki said, we're uh, taking the season to really focus on engaging with emotions, and you've been gifted the opportunity to share with us about <laughs> yeah. uh, grief and sadness. And so just kind of entering into that conversation, uh, how how have you experienced grief and sadness? How, is it, how has it impacted your life? Yeah, to be honest, I hate sadness and grief. Uh, it's not something that I want to sit in for very long. Um, I really like to be a happy person. I mean, I think I am fairly happy in that sense, but uh, just like any time sadness and grief break in, I kind of like really want it to be gone, and I don't want to hang out with so, it. So us inviting you to come to a podcast to sit in sadness and grief really yeah I think filled it, your bucket no, I, just, <laughs> I really I thought you chose the wrong person I'm like they don't know me very well I've only been here for like three months so I was like oh, maybe they thought somebody else but or maybe I just look sad walking around the <laughs> I, don't, I don't know like he looks great uh, he'll, he'll be perfect for grief you know oh, but, man. Yeah. yeah well you're welcome Thank uh you. so what are what are some of the areas and situations in which you experience sadness and grief like you know most people tend to equate that with loss of a loved one. Like that's almost like that's when grief is acceptable. Uh, what are the different places where grief and sadness begin to intersect with you? Yeah. I mean, I think for me, I like to have life planned out or, uh, I mean, I, I feel like I can cast a vision for where I'm headed in the next year or two, especially when it comes to things that matter to me. Um, so like, you know, my job or my family or uh, different things like that. So for me, um, recently it's been, uh, like before we were at Redemption Gilbert, um, my wife and I were at a, a small church in Mesa and I was on staff there and you just get really plugged in, you know, all the people, you love them. Um, and you kind of have these plans and dreams and hopes for the church and for the mission of God there. And then when like they didn't work out, like, uh, and just people had different views of where to go and what to do and uh, that direction. Uh, I know that there was a lot of hurt and sadness in my own heart because I'm like, no, like, I don't think that's the way it should. And God's plans were totally different for my life. And that's hard to wrestle with because mm. you think like your plans are good. Mm -hmm. And then God's like, no, like <laughs> I've got better plans, but you have to go through some hard times to wrestle with like, well, what are God's plans and seeing those realized and waiting on him. It's just a lot of tough times thinking it through. That's kind of making me think how when there's change, uh, I don't, I don't know that it's necessarily the change people resist, but the loss. Because with change, there's there's loss. Or um, so you kind of had this ideal uh, vision, and and it was a it was a no. It yeah, go in that direction. Yeah, and that's happened multiple times. And I think one of the things that 
I don't like about sadness is that I have to sit and ask, like, really, why am I sad? You know, what is making me sad? And in terms of the church we were at prior to redemption, it it was one of those things that there was, like, some good reasons why I was sad. Because, like, love people, love, you know, like, our church. Mm -hmm. But then there's also, like, the revealer of the Spirit of God telling you, like, well, you were maybe a little too, like prideful or you know there was something like so the loss was like I built my life upon certain things that were not Christ you know like and so then like dealing with that sadness and it was a a process I mean I think like the first year of uh, being away there was a lot of just like sad moments of like wrestling with like I gotta repent of that or oh that stinks I hope for something better for them you know so there's just a mixed bag yeah I I like how you you kind of highlight being sad about what was being revealed about what was in your own heart. Like that's not a fun process, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then to be like, Oh, that, that makes me really sad that that's, um, what was in me. Um, but, but God's mercy to, to reveal that and, and to work with that. Um, you kind of said that you didn't, you don't like being sad. You don't want to be sad. You don't want to sit there. What, what did you do bef- before when you were sad? Um, did you always still, I don't like to do it, but I'll kind of interrogate my sadness or did you, do something different. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's a healthy practice, but <laughs> like I, I, just, I think sometimes, it, you know, like for me when I'm sad, it, there's a lot or like something, you know, feeling senses of grief or sadness. There's a lot of like, I just kind of want to retreat and I want to like deal with it on my own, you know, like between me and God and just kind of like hold it in. Um, but, but I don't necessarily know if that's healthy, you know, cause there are like in times where there's been some sad moments in like our family's life or in other things like when I actually talk it through with Mm. say my wife or you know somebody else to like who loves me and cares about me you know it helps to be able to kind of like see why you're sad or see kind of another side to the situation that is making you sad and so uh, but my my tendency my flinch is to just like immediately like run to the field (laughs) and go be by myself is that is that so you don't uh have to kind of feel the, the pain that comes with sadness or is it because why? Well, I think I'm an ugly crier, so oh. I don't really want people, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want people to now, see. Now, yeah. that's just a challenge for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> need to draw that out somehow. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, what, as, you, as you've progressed and grown in your relationships, you know, vertical relationship with God, horizontal relationship with others, how, how has that process of engaging with your grief and sadness changed? I'm, I'm sure that it's, you know, there's flinches and urges to withdraw, escape, whatever you want to call it, are still there. Um, how do you how do you notice that the grief and sadness is coming on? And how have you grown in engaging with that and, and naming it and pursuing it? Yeah, I think, you know, kind of one of the things that's really helped is just this better understanding of, like, the world we live in. You know, like the world's not perfect. Like I'm very idealistic. Like I want everything to go perfectly. I want everybody to be happy. I want everyone to get along, but that's just not the world we live in. We live in a world that's fallen and broken. And so having that, you know, kind of theology or that framework to, to kind of see the world like that it was made good, but it's fallen. And then when things like evil or bad things happen in your life, you kind of like, that's, I can start with that and say like, this is not like this happens, you know? And so it's not like a shock. Uh, It's shocking in the moment, but then wrestling with God about, um, I mean, there was a recent time in the last year where I've told people that like when things did not go out my, go my way and I thought I was doing the right thing and 
God had other plans and I was really sad about it. Uh, the thing that I started to realize was that God is like forcing me to wrestle with my theology. Like, do mm. I believe wow. these verses that I can quote to myself? Mm. Sure. Like I can quote them Romans yeah. eight twenty eight. you know, like I can quote that. I know he has good plans and he can work it all for good, but it's like, do you actually like trust God and believe him? And so that was like kind of the moment, like over this past couple of years where I've had to like really wrestle with not just, I know the answer that mm. I'm supposed to give as a Christian, yeah. But do I know God in relationship and can I wrestle with like these things and say, yeah, what did, I trust God. What did that wrestling look like? So for me, I, I mean, there's a lot of like, I'll pray and walk. Um, I like to do that. Like, you know, so maybe it looks like retreating, but it's like, mm-hmm. I just need to go like walk and pray. Um, I, I journal and pray. So a lot of it is prayer. Um, but a lot of it is searching the scriptures too and asking the Lord to reveal my heart, you know, mm. search me and know me, yeah. see if there's any grievous way in me and like lead me on righteous paths, you know? So it's kind of like that same sense of like, I want to be on the right path with God, mm. like is the heart of it. And the saddened moments of like life not working out my way is realizing God's like, you know, the, the loving part is like, well, you got to go with me. And so going with me, is going to change your plans. And I want to be with him, but it's like, so a lot of journaling, a lot of prayer, mm. and then just trust, I think, you know, and being available to listening to the Lord. Yeah. One of th- one of the things I, I love about even just your acknowledgement of, hey, we're, we're in a fallen and broken world. Like it, it adds a sense of legitimacy mm-hmm. to grief and sadness in certain moments. Like, no, that's actually the appropriate emotion yeah. to feel in this instance. Yeah. Um, whereas there are, there are many times where even some of the verses that you may quote, we would go, well, I'm supposed to be content and if I'm sad somehow we often equate that therefore I'm not content and now I'm in sin or or I'm not really trusting God and there are other doubts and, and things that they kick in there what's interesting though about some of the things that you've been talking about is that that grief and sadness is yes it is an appropriate uh, response to uh, to something that we've lost like a tangible thing a relationship you know loss of a loved one um but I think a lot of times where, where it gets even more difficult for us to engage with grief and sadness is when it's a loss of a future hope. Mm-hmm. I had, I had this use the word dream. Um, I had this, this plan, this dream, you know, this preferred future reality. And now I'm faced with the re- like, when a lot of it was good. Like these are good things that I want. And I'm faced with the, the reality that that's no longer a possibility. And so there's an additional depth of pain of losing something that you never even had. Mm. And I think then for some people it's difficult, like, to then engage with that is you'll almost feel silly. Well, why am I, why am I grieving this thing that, that I never had? Well, what's, what's wrong with me? How, how have you experienced? I know that you don't like being sad. (laughs) How have you experienced some of those secondary emotions connected to it? Like I, you know, the guilt or the shame, I shouldn't be like this. You know, I shouldn't be feeling this. How, How have you wrestled with those? Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. I, I, like I said, I don't really like to sit in it too long, <laughs> but I think, uh, you know, ultimately where I kind of lean and I push in is I just say like in this moment, God, what, what are you doing in my life? You know, like I, I try to at least go to him and in the, I think that's kind of like what sadness and grief and in certain aspects kind of like are revealers of things I'd been putting my hope in. Like it's okay to like want to have, friend or a boyfriend or want to have a good job that makes a difference in the world or you know like all these things are good things um or like having a vision for my old church of where 
I thought Jesus was taking us, you know, but then realizing there's this God who is sovereign and has great plans and your plans might be good, but his are great and wrestling with that and trying to push into that. Um, so I just dealing with the shame and guilt, it's always more like, um, you know, I don't necessarily feel like ashamed of being sad. It's just, I don't want to be sad. So it's more like the, how do I get rid of this kind of Mm -hmm. is my secondary feeling like, like (laughs) stop being so weak, like give the right answer, you know, give, and, but I feel like God does his best work in refining, mm-hmm. um, kind of in those moments of like, Hey, that was an idol. Yeah. Let's sit on that for a minute. Let's talk about that, you know, and then pushing me into more closeness with him through that. Yeah. yeah. You, you said something that I, that I don't know if you intended to, but I, I want to just press into, it sounded for a minute, like there's a part of you that equates sadness with weakness. Like, Oh, I don't want to be weak. Talk, flesh that out a little bit. Yeah, I mean, in college, I don't remember where it was from, but we would uh, be playing video games, and uh, if somebody lost and they complained, we'd hand them a box, and we'd call them weakness wipes, mm. uh, a <laughs> box of tissues, and we call them weakness wipes. <laughs> so, you know, it's kind of ingrained in there. Yeah. So it's like, you know, tear. Wow. Like, or the awesome. Or I, or I, or I, uh, I mean, that's terrible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> or like uh, wrestling. I wrestled a lot in junior high and high school, and you know, like they always have these wrestling shirts with slogans and one of them is like pain is weakness, leaving the body or like tears are mm. weak. You know, like, so it gets equated like pain and tears, suffering and grief, like that you're weak somehow. Mm. And it's like, I think that's where going back to like this true story of the world that the savior of the world came in. And one of my favorite moments is <clears throat> in Matthew when Jesus is about to be arrested mm. and like he's sorrowful, he's just been praying yeah. and crying in the garden and he's about to be arrested and everyone's like trying to draw swords, you know, mm. and do all this stuff. And he's like, stop. He's like, don't you think mm. I could call down like legions of yeah. angels and like end this and like yeah. my father would save me. He's like, but that's not what I'm here to yeah. do. And so like in his moment of weakness, like where he's about to be arrested and he's crying and t- sorrowful he like literally is the strongest, like to be able to say, I'm going to be a faithful savior to lay my life down for people. And like that thing right there is like, it changes what real strength is and uh, weakness is. And like, I don't know. So I just see it in the savior in this like interesting tension that maybe sorrowful is not weak, but Mm -hmm. I think we equated us. That's good. Yeah. So it's kind of like if, if you're affected, you're weak. Mm -hmm. Um, that kind of narrative versus, um, yeah, when, when we're weak, he is, he is stronger. His, his power is made perfect in our weakness, but we, that feels like a, something we can say or, or quote, but, but really living it out. Um, one thing you kind of talk about is wanting to get out of it quickly. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's probably common to all of us. Like, I just, I don't want to be sad. What can I do to get out of it quickly? And I think even others want, you know, if, if you're sad, others want you to not be sad as well. Mm. And in some ways, I think um, that might short circuit uh, what, what God is doing. Um, but yeah, can you talk through um, when others maybe have kind of not wanted you to be to be sad? And how did that look? How did that play out? Yeah, so I mean, I don't know. I, I have not done a good job of sharing in my sadness and grief mm. with other people. I mean, I literally try to like like put on a brave face. Mm. I'll go cry in my room, but mm. you won't know about it, you know, kind of deal. Uh, like basically only my wife knows if I'm having like, she's like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, <laughs> all right, let me tell you, you know, but that's about it. So 
I, I don't know if there's been a lot of people who have kind of like said sure. that, I, I, but I do know that I struggle with that staying there and learning from it. And one of the things I'll do instead of trying to deal with it and wrestle with it and question why I'm sad and interrogate my feelings is I'll just kind of like numb the pain, right? Like, you know, I'll just mm. like watch Netflix for five hours or, you know, be on my phone and just different things to distract or to dull kind of those senses and emotions. So what is it about, what is it about the person of Jesus and, and his embracing of that weakness and embracing of sadness and grief? What is it about the person of Jesus that, that draws you in? Yeah. I mean, I, I heard this Charles Spurgeon quote that said like a savior who never wept could never wipe away my tears, Mm. you know? And so in that same sense, like, uh, the beauty of the book of Hebrews is that we have this great high priest who is able to sympathize, who loves us, who knows us in our weakness and in our sadness and in our grief, and not just knows us that we experience that, but that he himself experienced that without sin, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, um, and he, he is not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters, you know? And so it's like, he, he is there. So, um, I, I just love that. I mean, even in like times of appropriate sadness, you know, like there is appropriate sadness. You know, we all get bad news about family members or we get um, told that, you know, maybe we're like plans are changing or things like, I mean, even just last year, like a lot of us had certain losses, mm-hmm. whether that was a real person that we lost um, and we're sad about that or if it was just, you know, like plans that we thought or hopes that we had, uh, they all got changed. And so just knowing kind of like that we have a savior who endured the cross, you know, like there's this moment of like real sadness and grief and death and yet he was doing it all for us, you know, and Mm -hmm. in that sense to, to honor the father and to be obedient even to the cross. And it's like, I can look at that savior and know that I don't just have a savior who can save me from my sins, Mm -hmm. but I have a savior who's going to stand with me in my sorrow and in my grief. But what I really love about what you're saying is he, he invites us to weep where the world is broken mm-hmm. and, and we can weep. He, he weeps, you know, I'm just thinking about Jesus as he uh, looked over Jerusalem and, mm. and wept. Um, and y- he also invites us to rejoice where it's being made new. And, and so we can do both, but sometimes um, I actually thinking of Ecclesiastes, a, a time to uh, weep, a time to rejoice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think sometimes we, yeah, we, we want to go to the, the rejoicing before <laughs> The, the weeping, but in order to uh, to weep, we have to acknowledge the brokenness, or we have to acknowledge the loss, and that mm-hmm. that we we did care for it, or value it, or want it. Um, yeah, yeah. That's kind of a hard process sometimes. Well, there's a. I mean, God prefaced this by saying God is sovereign and can do whatever He wants to do, however He wants to do it. Um, having said that, there is what we understand about the character of God is that His 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 heart and his eye is toward the brokenhearted, mm-hmm. towards the poor in spirit, towards the mourning. Throughout scripture, there are the examples of him pursuing those who are hurting, hearing their cries, and his heart is moved by that. Um, and he stands ready to provide comfort. He stands ready to provide compassion. That's one of the promises of, of Hebrews. Um, and yet, there's what I would say is we rob ourselves of experiencing the fullness mm-hmm. of the comfort and compassion that God has to offer us when, like you said, Vicki, like when we try to move too quickly into mm-hmm. the rejoicing or when we 
distract in the first place from actually acknowledging what is it I'm actually feeling. You know, what is, what mm-hmm. is the anger? What's the fear? What's the anxiety? What's the sadness? What's the grief? Also, what's underneath that? What's causing that? Um, and when we don't, when we don't honestly and fully engage with those, we then rob ourselves mm-hmm. of the experience of the, the very comfort and compassion that God stands ready to, to offer. Um, and so I, I bring that up just because as you talk about, Hey, I don't want to go there. And so either I move too quickly or I withdraw or I distract. That's a, that's a common experience for, I would say about a hundred percent of people (laughs) with, you know, in different emotions in different places, but all of us have that temptation. The invitation from Jesus, the one who wept stands ready to wipe away our tears. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's just, that's been a meaningful thing for me um, in my growth. And I appreciate that you've brought up that same kind of, of tension and invitation. Yeah, I mean, even in the first episode with Matthew, I think one of the things that stood out was what you said, Mark, about how you knew that Jesus cared about your response to your emotions, but you also soon learned that Jesus cared about being in the midst mm. of what you were going through and your emotions there, and like that you had a Savior who cared about you in the midst mm. as well as who cared about your response. And to me, that was like so powerful because I'm like, yeah, <laughs> like he's <laughs> not this like, judge who's just like mm-hmm. saying do the right thing yeah yeah i'm thinking when we don't engage with the the emotion or the sadness um like we numb it or we try to move quickly and look at the the positive good things um it doesn't actually go away like it, it it's wait what it doesn't <laughs> no yeah, <laughs> so you're saying so if i stuff it down yeah. inside <laughs> it's still going to come out yeah rats <laughs> now there went that idea <laughs> where we're like that painful process of of kind of interrogating what is it and, and acknowledging yeah I did value this and I did want this and I'm not either going to get it or um whatever do that initially it is painful but I think then it actually frees us to um you know I think when we receive the no that now we can um move into the yes mm. you know and, and I'm thinking when you when you talk about like work you know um I'm thinking of an example where um maybe somebody wasn't offered the position or didn't get the promotion or something like that. Um, but it was a yes over here. And so maybe we can be like, oh, hey, but it was a yes over here. Um, sometimes that, that grieving of the no first before we can rejoice in the, the yes, and it, yeah. it's appropriate. It doesn't always help when but perspective helps when we consider our plans in light of God's plans, yeah. our illusion of control in light of God's sovereignty. But it doesn't always help when we immediately jump in and just try to give perspective yeah. mm-hmm. because as, as well-intentioned as that may be, most often it comes across as just dismissing, well, yeah. just don't be sad yeah. because of this. And, and I think a good helper in those situations, a good relational connection leaves the, <laughs> leaves the perspective aspect of it most of the time to, um, you know, to Jesus to yeah. kind of walk that person through and rather says, Hey, I'm going to come alongside you and hurt with you mm-hmm. and grieve with you and be present with you in this. Um, but there's a, there's a love component that says it hurts me to see you yeah. sad. Mm-hmm. And so because I love you and partially because I selfishly am uncomfortable with yeah. it, I want to get you out of that yeah. as quickly yeah. as possible. Yeah. Like, and I, I experienced my limitations to help somebody not be sad um, but I'm curious, Josh, is there anything that, that you're like, Hey, I really would want people to, to know this or think about this or consider this in, in relation to sadness and grief. Yeah. I think there's that element of, uh, I mean, I just go to what I've learned over the last few years in regards to being kind of disappointed and sad and grieving over 
whether it's the loss of other people is it or the loss of, like I said, plans not going your way. Uh, I think ultimately like the thing that is on the other side of sadness, like when we put it in the context of uh, the story of scripture is like, there is this resurrection hope. Like, I don't know that mm-hmm. like we have a good God who loves us tremendously more than we realize and that he has this plan. And so there's this like resurrection hope, right? That there will be either a new day, like when Christ makes all things new or just in the sense of like life, like many times when I've been sad about my plans not working, like plans have like, like worked out a lot better, but there's this gap of like having to wait on the Lord. And in that moment of sadness and waiting on the Lord and wrestling with why am I sad? And maybe there was some kind of like distractions or idolatry in my heart, like in that wrestling and him being gracious and working on me in that moment, like you said, kind of prepared me for new opportunities where he's like, see, like this is better Mm -hmm. for you. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, and sometimes the gap of waiting is like, I don't know, an hour. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes Sometimes the gap of waiting is a few years and and it's, it's hard, but it's one of those things. It makes me, it makes me think sometimes we want um, Easter Sunday without Good Friday or Saturday. Totally. You know, and, and so we want to jump to the resurrection without actually going through the death. And I think about, um, you know, them experiencing Saturday. Yeah. You know, yeah, <laughs> right? Geez, like, yes. you know, that the, the in between before, you know, just kind of the, the confusion, the the wrestling. And that was all part of the, the process and necessary. Like, um, where we're at, we know um, Sunday's coming, yeah. right? And so I think, but they didn't. Mm. Um, even though he had told them, you know, they, they couldn't grasp it. And so, yeah, like we have to experience it. But that's like how it is though, in your sadness and grief, which is why I think we don't like it is because you really wrestle with like not feeling any hope in that moment. Like it feels very hopeless. And, um, yeah, that's what I think makes it so hard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Josh, I really appreciate you spending time with us today, talking us through this topic that you don't enjoy that much. Yeah, thanks. Hopefully this hasn't created an additional amount of grief and sadness for you. But um, yeah, just thanks for sharing your thoughts and some of your experiences with us. Um, just really appreciate you spending time with us. And um, yeah, thanks for joining us on the podcast. We'll see you next time on Talking to Humans.